Genesis chapter 22 this morning, and I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We're not going to stay in Genesis 22 very long, and I'm going to tell you right now, this may be the weirdest sermon I've ever preached in my life. <laughs> the title is, Whose Donkey Are You? All right, so, so I'm going to tell you right now, you're someone's donkey. Yeah, that's true, you are. Whether you realize it or not, someone's probably going to get real offended. I'm not trying to offend you. Uh, but there's something that you are given to. There's something that owns you. Uh, there's something that you carry around. And the question is, does it reflect the Lord Jesus Christ or not? And so if you're a born-again Christian, it ought to. Now look at Genesis chapter 22. And again, we're not going to stay here very long. I realize we don't live in um, a, an agriculturally-centric society. I mean, uh, if uh, the bread basket goes away, you're in trouble and you don't have food. I recognize that. But I also recognize that back before World War II, uh, the majority of, of, of Americans were involved in some way, shape, or form with agriculture. That's not the case anymore. All right? If you've got a garden, it's probably because like, you follow some woman on Instagram and you want to have a garden. That's, that's probably what it is. All right? You don't have a garden to feed your family. Does anybody here have a garden to feed their family? You guys are really quiet. It's freaking me out. What is going on? All right? You understand what I'm saying? Like, we don't live. It, when you want food, you go to the grocery store, right? Obviously, the food, I'll never forget, years ago, we had a couple from our church over at our house, and we took them to the chicken coop at our house, and they're like, oh my goodness, eggs. We're like, yeah, 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 eggs. And they're like, what do you do with them? I'm like, well, we, we eat them. And she was like, they're safe to eat like that? I'm like, where do you think they come from at the store, you know? Uh, we don't live in that society. So you may not be familiar with donkeys. Donkeys may not be your thing. Um, I don't have one yet, but my goal in life is to get a donkey. That's what I want. Um, I, my neighbor's gone, hey, oh, hey, oh. and to me, it's like, it's like the coolest thing. They always make sure that if there's a bad animal around, they scare them away, all right? My wife does not want donkeys. I want them. Pray for me, all right? All right? Uh, Genesis chapter 22, uh, look at verse 1. came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, that's all he had to say. I like that. When, when God just has to say your name and you listen, that's a good thing. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass. Now look, I know you're an American in 2024. It's used as a cuss word. It is a donkey in the Bible, all right? All right, so don't be like little school girls. <laughs> he said yes. All right, it's in the Bible. <laughs> it's, it's a donkey, all right? Get over it. Move on. It's, an, it's the term that was used for a long time, all right? Uh, and uh, and it's, it's way, he, he brought that donkey, brought that ass along with him, sat on his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. It's almost like God told Abraham, you'll know when you get there. And he looked up and he saw the place. And by the way, in the New Testament, when Jesus Christ is brought to Calvary in Luke 23, you know what it says? At the place called Calvary. Almost like God knows where the sacrifice is supposed to take place. Now, there's a lot going on in this story. And we've explored this story not that long ago. We talked about Abraham following God by faith. Uh, but I want to point out something else. Look at verse 5. Abraham said to his young man, abide you here with the ass. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, if you got the right book, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told them of, and Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called on him out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad. You know the rest of the story. But I'd like to look at something here that I think will help us understand something about the question I'm going to ask you this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Brother Casey, where are you at? Or if you would ask the Lord's blessing, what we're going to look at.
Yes. Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. The question this morning is, whose donkey are you? And you go, I'm nobody's donkey. What are you doing calling me a donkey? Well, just bear with me. In the Bible, uh, people are oftentimes pictured by certain things. Uh, we'll look at that in a moment. Uh, over there in the Gospels, Jesus Christ heals a blind man. And the progression of that blind man, you might remember Brother Jared mentioning this, in the progression of that healing, he looks up and Jesus says, what do you see? And he said this, I see men as trees. So over there in the Old Testament, it says, I saw the wicked spreading himself forth as the Green Bay tree, which is why you should never root for the Green Bay Packers. Amen and amen. All right. So, so, so the Lord, that, that's in the Old Testament. It talks about the tree that's planted by rivers of living water. And that's like someone that's walking in God's fellowship, walking in God's light. First John chapter one. There's all these things in the Bible where, where people are personified by animals or by parts of creation. When you get, if you're a born again Christian, listen, you may not, they recently, Disney made a movie called Wish, and in the, in the movie there's a song called, I'm a star, I'm a star, and blah, 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 I'm a star, oh, look at me, I'm a star. You're not a star right now, but when you get to the resurrection, the Bible likens you to a star, and you're going to reflect the glory of God forever and ever and ever and ever. In the Bible, there's these things that are pictures in creation of mankind, and whether you like it or not, one of those creatures happens to be the donkey. And uh, in this story, in Genesis 22, you've got Abraham, and Abraham obviously is a picture of a couple of things. He's a picture of God the Father, the Father laying down his son on the altar. He's also a picture of a believer that walks by faith and says, Lord, if you say it, and if you're in it, then I'm going to do it, even if it hurts, even if I had to give up the thing that I love the most. Abraham's a picture of that. Isaac, obviously, is a picture of Jesus Christ. Notice that when Abraham takes this young guy, he doesn't wrestle with his father. Uh, Jesus Christ is not in rebellion say to God, I know there's another way. I'm not going to do it. They're a bunch of filthy sinners. They don't deserve salvation. They don't deserve to be saved. And if he said it, he would have been right for saying it, by the way. And yet he doesn't do that. He lays down his life. You know what he says? No man taketh my life from me. I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I will take it up again. And thank God he did. Amen. Isaac's a picture of that, no doubt. Uh, you've got the, in the, in the story, you've got the, these different elements. You've got the two young men. Look at verse three. There's these two young men that are mentioned uh, in verse number three. Two of his young men, they came with Isaac and with Abraham. And I thought about this. I thought, who are they a picture of? If I, Abraham's a picture of God the Father and Isaac's a picture of the Son, I think those two young men that don't have a name are like Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. They're the law and the prophets. They cannot save you. All they can do is testify that, yep, that's the one. That's what those two young men, they have no, listen, they have no other part in the story. They don't change the narrative, but they are there as witnesses of what goes on. And you, so you go through this story, you got uh, the wood. Look at verse number six. The wood is mentioned there. What, that, what is that a picture of? It's a picture of the cross of Jesus Christ. In verse number seven, there's fire that's mentioned. You say, what is that fire a picture of? It's a picture of the suffering of hell and Jesus himself saying, while he's on that cross, I thirst. All these things are found in this story. There's the knife that, that, that is uh, lifted up to, to, to be like the spear that's, that's shoved in the side of Jesus Christ. You see all this stuff in that story, and yet I, no one ever talks about the donkey. It's there, is it not? Can I ask you a question? Why does God mention it? You ever think about that? God mentions fire, he mentions wood, he mentions the knife, he mentions Abraham, he mentions Isaac, he mentions the young men, he mentions all these elements, and in all of that, listen, when you read your Bible, do you ever stop and go, why does God put the detail in there that he does? Like, like why would he even mention that the Abraham brings a donkey along? You say, well, preacher, you know, that's their mode of transportation. Yeah, but why does God mention it? I think there's something there. And I would say this, look back at verse uh, number uh, three, verse number three, you notice the, the word right before asked, before donkey, it's his. You know what that shows? Ownership. You know what that donkey is? That donkey does not, it does not belong to itself. That donkey belongs to someone else. And I'm going to ask you again, whose donkey are you? Let me just say this right now. If you're a born-again Christian, you've been bought not with, the, with silver or gold. You've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. 
and you have been redeemed by God's hand miraculously. And when nobody else, and when the world couldn't, didn't want you, and religion couldn't fix you, and education didn't satisfy, and sex and money and drugs and all the rest of the stuff that's out there couldn't fulfill that need, Jesus said, come unto me, amen? And he says, you know what, I don't care if you're a donkey. Everybody goes, I wish, it. listen, let me ask you a question. When's the last time they made a movie about a donkey? They make movies about horses all the time. And, and I mean, that's true. Like, especially if it's like a girl training a horse. It's like, you know, this girl whose dad doesn't understand her gets sent to live with, you know, her uncle and aunt. And, you know, she's a rebel and she wears dark makeup and always has her AirPods in and like, whatever, you know. And like, she has her own thing and she's just, just this little punk, you know. And, and she goes to this farm and meets this horse and automatically there's a bond. And this horse didn't listen to anybody else. But all of a sudden this brat teenager is going to train the horse, even though she's never done anything with a horse a day in her life. And then they live happily ever after and everybody loves the movie. Yay! They don't do that for donkeys. There's no respect for donkeys, guys. All right? Outside of Shrek and all that stuff, donkeys just don't get mentioned. All right? Everybody wants a horse. No, no, no little girl's like, Mommy, Daddy, I can't wait to get a donkey. They want a pony. They don't want a donkey. You know how, you know how that must make donkeys feel? You know, like, just like Rodney Dangerfield. No respect. You know, like, I don't get any. I, you have to be a beautiful horse. Listen, let me tell you right now. If a, if a camera followed you around all day, you wouldn't look like this. You know what some of you look like? You know why? Because we're not perfect. You know, we like to think of ourselves as like a beautiful horse just galloping through the, through the fields and the meadows. Like, that's who I am. No, not without God, you're not. Now, let me tell you right now, down here on this earth, you know what a lot of us are like? We're a lot more like a donkey. Now, you may go, I don't like the picture. Well, when we get to come back on white horses, it'll be all right, all right? But until then, understand that you belong to someone. Second thing I want to point out is this. Notice in verse number five, he says to his young men, abide ye here with the ass. Stay here with the donkey. Why? Because it wasn't the donkey. Let me, let me say that the donkey did not have intrinsic value in of itself. The donkey is a donkey. And you may go, well, I'm beautiful. Let me just say these affirmations that the world gives to, to try to make up for the fact that like people are insecure and they are depressed and they have anxiety uh, let, me, let, me, let me help you out a little bit and just tell you a lot of those affirmations, they're empty and they're vain. It's like I'm looking in the mirror and go, I'm beautiful. I'm young. I'm not young. <laughs> you know, I'm smart. I'm talented. I can do this. I can do all things through Christ. But you know what the real answer is? I have value because of what has been placed in me, not because of me, myself, and I. The value that I carry is not me. It's not so much that I, God could not live without me that he had to do something to obtain. That's the way modern Christianity presents it. God couldn't live without me. God loved me enough to die for my sins. He did everything he had to do. But you know what really it boils down to? The only value I have in my life is Christ in me, the hope of glory. That donkey that was there, it wasn't valuable because it's a donkey. You look at that donkey, you go, what? what? Look at that. Does that scream value to you? It doesn't. You know what it screams? Like, man, get out of my face is what that screams. You, you know what we are without the Lord? That's us. And you know what brings value to your life? It's who owns you. It's what you're carrying. It's what's been placed on you. It's what's been placed in you. And this donkey, you know why it had any value? Because it belonged to Abraham. Now, look, I'm not a, I'm not a donkey expert, so I had to go do what everybody does. I Googled it. Okay, and I learned that, I, I read from this guy that writes all this stuff about hiking, and he, he said they have an acute sense of self-preservation, and they know when something is dangerous, and they won't take you down the wrong path. I kind of like that. He said this, donkeys have great memories. They're able to recognize areas they saw 25 years ago. You ever, ever talked to a couple that's been married 25 years? They can remember some things about each other from long ago. All right, donkeys are that way. All right, uh, listen, donkeys have the ability to be sure-footed. They stay on the path. Uh, you know what they're not? They're not real emotional. They just kind of go, they're kind of focused. It doesn't really matter what's going on. They just want to go forward. There's some good qualities about donkeys. You may look at it and go, well, I don't want to be a donkey. Yeah, but can I just say this? There are some places donkeys can go that horses can't. There's some places donkeys can go that really people by themselves cannot go. You've got to take the donkey with you. You say, what is that? Well, that's a picture of something. Listen, uh, there's no time in Scripture where God ever says, I need that person. But do you know what I do read the New Testament about Jesus Christ? 
when his disciples go to loose that colt that's tied up and the, the owner of that donkey says, hey, what are you doing? You know what their response is supposed to be? The Lord hath need of them. You know, there's some things that God wants to put in your life and put on you and have you carry that are a reflection of your ownership, of his ownership in your life. And sometimes you look at those things, you go, I don't want this burden. I don't want this problem. I don't want, and the Lord goes, yeah, but you have no idea the value that can bring out of your life. And you have no idea when people look at what you've gone through. I was talking with someone recently, someone that has experienced the loss of a loved one, and the testimony went like this. Certain people will be able to relate to this, uh, this problem more than others. Why? Because they've been through it. And if I were to get up and talk about what it's like to pastor through a war zone, I couldn't do that. My dear brother can't. Right? My church is in Aurora, not Compton, California. Right? <laughs> all right? But you understand what I'm saying? Like, like all, all joking aside, the reality is this, is that when you go through things and there's things that are put on your life and you're carrying that burden, you look at it and you go, what's the value of this? That's the value that, that's what brings value to you. You look at this and go, well, I shouldn't be carrying this. And God's going, yeah, but it's how people will know that you belong to me. Amen. You see, in this story, Abraham, Isaac, all this stuff that gets mentioned, and right, rightfully so, the limelight is on Isaac and what happens there. But there's this little donkey that gets mentioned. I wonder sometimes if when God was creating all of creation and he makes the horse, Adam's like, man, that's amazing. That is just something, man. And then God makes a giraffe. He's like, Lord, it's like you made a horse with a really, really long neck. <laughs> and then God makes the donkey. He's like, Lord, it looks like you made a horse, but like made him really short. <laughs> Like, what's the purpose of that? And there's, look, there's, there's, there's moments in your life where you're going to feel like, I don't have, what is the purpose of this? Why? Why do I, I don't want to look like that. I want to be, I want to be the horse. I want to be, yeah, but that's not what you're made to be. You understand there are things, listen, Jesus Christ, understand this. He was made sin for us. Just like the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, Jesus Christ the picture is he became sin for us who knew no sin. That we might, do you think it was right for him to become sin? When he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Do you think he thinks to himself, this is exactly everything I always wanted while he hung naked on that cross? This is what, do you think he thought, I mean, listen, I understand that he submitted to the Father's will, but the shame that's associated with that, do you think that is what, he, uh, humanly speaking, he would feel, that's why he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Understand that man, I, everything that I, I lived for and everything that I did in my life, everything that I, I, with, I, I withstood and I, I went through and I persevered to end up in this spot, to be an open shame before all, and my disciples, where are they at? I guarantee you this, he probably felt more like a donkey than he did a horse. And Christians, sometimes you go through things and you go, well, what's, this, what's the point in all this? And therein lies the issue. The issue is you want to be something that you're not. And you despise what God has placed in your life. And understand, the things that God puts on you, those are the things that can make you valuable to those around you. All throughout the Bible, these creatures are mentioned. And for several weeks now, I can't get away from it. Every time I look at my Bible, I'm like, man, I'm reading about donkeys. And besides the fact that I think God's just saying, yeah, get a donkey, amen, right? <laughs> besides that, I, I think there's a lot to be learned. You know, when, when Egypt, Joseph is in Egypt, and there's no food in Canaan, what creatures are used to carry food back to Jacob and his family? They weren't horses. Uh, when Benjamin uh, shows up and they're going back again to see dad, you know what creatures are using that? Look at Genesis 45. Go there with me, Genesis 45. Donkeys can carry life to people. Donkeys can revive old men. You know that? You go, I don't believe it. Look at Genesis 45. You don't realize what God can do <laughs> with a donkey. He can do a lot. Look at Genesis 45. Look at verse number 23. And to his father he sent after this manner, ten asses laden with the good things of Egypt, and ten she asses laden with corn and bread and meat for his father by the way. So he said, Joseph sends his brothers away, and they departed, and he said to them, See that ye fall not out by the way. 
Can I ask you a question? What, what creature is it that's kind of guiding them and taking the food and the provision and all the valuables from Egypt back into the land of Canaan where there's a dearth and there's a famine? Uh, look, look, look again at verse 23. It's those donkeys. And he tells them, see that you fall not out by the way. Why? Because those donkeys, they're going to stay on the path. If you get off the path, it's because you're not following them. I mean, he's kind of saying this kind of uh, covertly, if you will. It's not like the donkeys are the heroes of the story and everybody's clapping for the donkeys, but they're there and they're doing their job. And notice what happens. Look at verse number 27. They told him, Jacob, all the words of Joseph, which he had sent to them. And when he saw the wagons pulled by what animals? Look what it says. At the end of that verse, the spirit of, their, of Jacob, their father, what? You think God can revive something with some donkeys? Absolutely he can. If the donkeys are willing to go in the right direction. Christian, I'll say this much. You might, you're carrying something today. I don't know what you came in here carrying. Some people are carrying pressure. Maybe you're carrying uh, the pressure of other people. Uh, maybe it's politics that's on your mind. Uh, maybe it's your preferences. Maybe it's just the, the burden of pleasures and the burden of sin for a season. I don't know. But I'll tell you this. You're carrying something. And whatever it is that you're carrying, that's going to be your identity. And when those donkeys came back from Egypt, you know what they did for that old man? They brought that old man from the brink of extinction back to life. And you know what he did? He took a trip that, that at his age, he should not have been able to take from Canaan down into Egypt. Why? He wanted to see what God had done with his son. What was the vehicle that God used to bring him that message? A bunch of donkeys. I don't know if you follow this or not, but over there in Afghanistan, even in Iraq, you know what? Some of our soldiers had to withstand. They would put IEDs on donkeys. Not all donkeys carry good things. They put IEDs on donkeys and, and have them go through a, a crowded place where our soldiers are at. Boom, blow them up. You say, what is that? Well, it's just a reminder. Whatever it is you're carrying has the potential to help people or kill them. Isn't it amazing how like when COVID was going right now, if like this is four years ago, Everyone's like, oh my gosh, they're not six feet apart. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Well, you're not wearing a mask, right? Am I right about that? You were worried about what you were going to catch that somebody else was carrying. And they may not have even known that they had it. Can I get a witness? Some of you are like, are you a carrier? I mean, it got weird for a while. Can we be honest about that? This is like, you know, you go to the store and it's like someone sneezes, get down! It's like... Just sneeze, man. That's it. I promise. Allergies. Al Everyone was allergies in 2020. These stupid allergies got me really bad, right? And yet, you live your life spiritually not realizing you can be a carrier of all kinds of things. And whatever it is you're carrying, let me just say this. It has the potential to reach people around you. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get across to you this morning. It's not so much. <laughs> it's not so much. What am I made to be? It's more, what am, I care, what am I doing with what God's made me to be? So whose donkey are you? Number one, I'll just say this. It'll be known by your mouth. Look at Judges chapter 15. Judges chapter 15. I can tell you a lot about someone by what I hear them say. Sure. Absolutely. You, you know that. If someone's always talking about politics, you know what's on their mind. If someone's always talking about money, you know what's on their mind. If someone's always talking, I, mean, I never, I'll never forget the story of uh, 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 the preacher down in Pensacola going up to uh, one of his friends years ago before he was uh, the, the pastor there uh, at work. He's witnessing, and one of the guys goes, Brian, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. All you can talk about is Jesus. Can you talk about something else? And you know what he responded with? Sin, sin, sin. All you want to do is talk about sin. Can you talk about something else? I mean, you know why? Because whatever's on your mind comes out of your mouth, right? Listen, whatever it is that you identify with, that you associate with, that will be found in your speech. I look at Judges chapter 15. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't like the book of Judges, and I don't like it because there's stories in there that bother me. It's not like I don't like it because, you know, I don't like the Bible. I love the Bible, but there's stories in the Bible that bother me. You guys remember the story about the girl that gets cut up in 12 pieces? You go, oh, my goodness, a terrible thing to talk about. It's in there, right? It's terrible to read about. It, it bothers me. I, I read the story about uh, a Gideon, and that encourages me. But then after Gideon's over, they take that thing, and they worship that thing that he made. And it's like, oh, my goodness, it just everywhere you go in the book of Judges, everyone is blowing it. Samson. God. If I had unlimited strength, 
I could bench press a car. <laughs> Man, that'd be awesome. You know, like you just walk in the room, like, shh, there's that guy. You know, there's Adrian. Don't mess with that guy, you know. And Samson walks in the room, and that's Samson. And here's this big, I, I've, I've, been, I've been out going up uh, preaching the gospel and watch this big guy walk by, you know. And he's just like real calm, and we're preaching, you know. And he'll even smile sometimes. And then he'll have this little 90-pound girl like, I need you guys in a blankety blank, 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 blank. And this guy's like, come on, babe, let's go, let's go. It's, it's almost like we've reversed roles, right? Like, like here's Samson, this mighty man. And like Samson's like, you know, so there I was. And there was this lion, and I killed the lion. And oh, man. And, and he's in this story, and then this girl walks by. I'll be back, boys. <laughs> like, you idiot, like a, like a lamb to the slaughter. And every time I read the story of Samson, it bothers me. If, if, I, if, I, if I was infatuated with a girl, and I'm, I'm like, you know, telling her my secret of how I could lose my power with God or whatever, and I wake up, and all these bad guys are around me, if it happens once, I'm like, wow, ah, bad coincidence, right? Happens twice, I'm like, babe, are you involved in this? <laughs> happens three times, I'm dumping you. <laughs> like, we're not, we're not together anymore, right? And I'm reading this story, and Samson, every single time, it's like he had all this strength, but he was just an idiot when it came to women. Pray for our young men, amen? So Samson has the ability to, to slay and to, to avenge his people Israel. And the Philistines are obviously a picture of the, of the world and all that kind of stuff. But, but I want you to see something that happens in Judges 15, because this is one of the stories that kind of gets overlooked in all the Samson stuff and Delilah stuff and all that. Look at Judges 15. Look at verse 14. And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that were burnt with fire. I mean, I'm not, I'm not lying when I say this. When a, a red-blooded man reads Samson's story, he just imagines like, bicep pop there goes the, the ropes that were on like you you just see my right steon i'm seeing a smile there see some of you guys don't know there's another side to steon right there's no he's sitting there going yeah all right so 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 like that's how i envision this story when i read it and look what happens in verse number 15 and he found a new jawbone of a yes and what'd he do he put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men Killed a thousand dudes. Now, now, question, question. Why does God mention what animal it is, and why does God mention what exact body part? Couldn't God just say he found a skull? That word existed, Golgotha, the place of a skull, all right? So he could have just said that this guy found a skull, he just beats a bunch of dudes up, a thousand guys are dead. Let me just say this. If you can kill a thousand dudes with the jawbone of a dead animal, it's pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> But, but can I say this? That jawbone is associated with something. The death of a thousand men. Now, you know what's interesting about this? Keep reading. Just glance through it. Just read a couple verses ahead of it. You know what happens? Samson's thirsty. He's about to die. You know what takes place? He goes, God, I'm about to die. Now, you may not realize this, but there are times when people come to church and they're at the point of exhaustion spiritually and emotionally where they just want to die. You know what, and then you go, oh, well, wow, that's just dramatic, Pastor. That's just, okay. What about Elijah? He's a man of God, isn't he? You know, Elijah says, I'm at the point of death. So you know what God does? He puts him by a brook. Why? Because life begins with water. You can go without eating food, all right? Americans don't like hearing that. Three meals a day, <laughs> three and a half meals a day, four and a half meals a day. Come on, Amen. <laughs> 10 o'clock at night, you've been doing the diet thing all day, you're like, and the chips are like, boy, come eat me in the pantry, <laughs> right? They're calling your name, right? And, and you're like, I got to go. And they're not kale chips either, sister. I'm talking Lay's and Doritos. Flaming hot Cheetos. Can I get a witness, right? I, I knew, yeah, buddy. I knew these guys would have my back. They, I come, I'll come home. My, my wife will be like, you've been eating flaming hot Cheetos. I'm like, no, I haven't. She's like, look at your hands. <laughs> your hands are telling on you, boy. You can go without food. You can go without food, but you can't go without water. Right. A question. In Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit of God, before anything else is made, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. Life begins with water. 
all right, that baby is in a sack of water. And that baby is ushered into life when they break that water. Everything's connected with water. And so, so let, me, let me throw this your way. There comes a, a woman that, that comes to sit at the, to come to this well in John chapter 4, and she finds Jesus sitting at the well. Why did that woman come? And oh, by the way, when she comes is when no other woman wanted to come in the heat of the day because she was the outcast that nobody else wanted around. Everyone, when she walked in the room, would talk about her and they would say things about her and she knew it. So she said, you know what? I can't even look at those people in the eye. They know my lifestyle. They know where I've been. I feel the judgment. I'm coming by myself in the heat of the day. And she meets Jesus Christ. And he starts talking about water that you can drink that you'll never thirst again. And she goes, Whoa. you ever had someone talk to you about something you're like, that sounds amazing. Yep. How, how can I have that, right? Or, or like today, what you do is you scroll through Instagram, like, oh, I want that, and I want that, and I want, <laughs> oh, that vacation looks fun, and right, right? Here's this woman, seeing at the well, and Jesus talking about this water, it's almost like she can taste it. Christian, do you remember what it was like when you were lost without Jesus Christ? Yep. And you just wanted something clean and something pure, and something holy, something right that you could, you could look at yourself in the mirror and go, man, this feels good and I don't feel dirty and I feel better than I did before. And just to have something that would sustain me and give me, give me life and move me forward. I feel like every time in the world that before I knew Jesus, I'm taking 10 steps back and then I get in fellowship with God. And it's like, man, life makes sense. You say, what is that? It's that everlasting water. And in John chapter 7, Jesus is talking to those Pharisees. He talks about rivers of water flowing out of your belly. And he goes on to say there that in John 7, that that river of water that flows out from you is a picture of the Spirit of God. And when you get saved, he puts God's Spirit inside of you. And you know what God wants to do? He wants to bring some of that out to bring life to others. Your mouth can bring death or it can bring life to those around you. Look, if you would, at verse number 18, he was sore thirst and called on the Lord and said, thou was given great deliverance in the hand of thy servant, and now shall I die for thirst and fall in the hand of the uncircumcised? I like the next two words, some of the two greatest words in your Bible, but God. But God, clave a hollow place that was in the jaw. <laughs> it's like, why does God give us this detail? It's amazing. It's like God took his fingers and just went, kind of like a dentist. You ever get the dentist thing? Oh, I hate that, man. There are times you're like, oh, just stay still. I'm like, you stay still, you know? <laughs> Never been there. It's, it's hard, you know? And, and, and so the, the, the Lord just went, but can I just say this? When things are dead, they don't feel anything. So the Bible says you're to be a living sacrifice, and you're to die to yourself. You know what God can do? He can find a little spot in your life that nobody even knows about and say, hmm, I want to put some water right there. For those thirsty souls that are coming by, that same jawbone of an ass that killed a thousand men brought life to someone as well. Can I, can I say it like this? Your mouth will show whose donkey you are. Anybody remember the story about Balaam's ass, Balaam's donkey? I mean, man, that story's wild. Can you imagine being on a donkey? And, and you're like, you stupid donkey. I should have never have bought you. And he's beating that thing. And all of a sudden, the donkey turns back and goes, hey, man, what's your problem? <laughs> you know, I, in, in my mind, I'm sorry. Shrek ruined me. It's almost like, what's your problem, man? What you doing? You know? <laughs> Eddie Murphy is in my head when I see a donkey talk. That's sorry. And, and so... To imagine, here's what's worse about that story, though. What's funny about that story is after the, after the donkey speaks, Balaam's like, has a conversation with him. Well, you know, now that you bring it up, like, dude, the donkey just talked. Isn't that kind of like, like going to stop you for a minute and get you to realize? You know what God did? He spoke through a donkey to try to get someone's attention and help them. He didn't listen. That's on him. But God spoke through a donkey. He can speak through you. He can give life to those around you. It'll be known 
by your mouth. Doesn't the Bible say in James something about the tongue being a small, tiny member? I mean, you ever find yourself that, that critical spirit, that sharp spirit, that bitter spirit, that angry spirit, that covetous spirit, that jealous, that envious spirit must be nice, you know, that kind of, you find that, and yet that same exact tongue can say things like this, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know what they said about Jesus Christ? Never man spake like this man. Oh man, I love this. How about this? Lazarus, come forth. That same tongue that said, let there be light, said Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus comes up out of the grave. That's the power. Now, I understand. I'm not trying to say you've got the power to raise the dead, but I'll say this much. You have the power to give life to people that don't have it. You can help them with your mouth. Question, whose donkey are you? I didn't say you're always cussing and, you know, talking filthy. And, and li- I just said, some of you Christians talk about politics. You talk about your clothes. Talk about your diet. You talk about all kinds of things. And yet you don't talk about Jesus Christ. Like, I don't even just mean a lost and dying world. How about you encourage one another and go, man, what is God doing in your life? Let me tell you what God did for me. You know why we do that on Wednesday nights? To encourage and edify the body of Christ. You know why? Because out of this can come things that can just cut people. Someone comes into church and they're late. Now look, you see me joking with some of these young guys. That's a different situation. I got a relationship with them. If you have a relationship with someone and someone walks in late, you just go, how come you're late? You know that makes someone want to do? Not come back to church. Right. <laughs> Question. We've been here before. We're going to be here. We're going to get here again. Anybody here ever get hurt by another Christian and what they said? Anybody here ever heard another Christian with what they said? Can I ask you a question? What is it in you that makes you want to talk about other people when they're not around? I'll tell you this, it ain't in the Spirit of God. Amen. You know what you are? You're just a jawbone of an ass when you use your mouth that way. Amen and amen and amen. But you know what God can do with that same jawbone? He can say, I can bring some life to people if it's in my hand your mouth in his hands go to first kings first kings i'll say this it'll be known by the positions that you take it'll be known by the positions that you take you see what i mean by that where you stand where you stand tells what you're loyal to look at first kings 13 i don't have time to read the whole passage but i'll just say this here's the young prophet and the young prophet is told by god uh listen i want you to go preach and after you're done preaching I want you to go, and I want you to go a different way than you went. I don't want you going back the same way that you came, and I don't want you to eat food. I don't want you to drink water. I don't want you to rest. I want you to preach the, uh, preach the word. Give it to them like I told you to give it to them. When you're done, you close the book. You say amen. You give an invitation. You walk away, and that's it, and you go back home. And that young preacher is sitting under a tree, and an old man comes up to him. I'm saving you some time right now trying to explain it, abbreviate it. Old man comes up and goes, hey, I'm a preacher like you are. Yeah, okay, great. Well, listen, preacher, I appreciate your time and all, but I, I, I don't have time to talk. I got to go where God told me to go. Yeah, but hey, about that, an angel came and talked to me, this is the old preacher says, and tells the young preacher, God wants you to come with me. And I'm sure in the young preacher's mind, he thought, that doesn't sound right, because I kind of think if God wanted me to go with you, he probably would have told me as well. Be very careful. People are like, God told me. You need to do this. How about God tells you what to do? And I'll let him tell me what to do. How about that? So this young preacher listens to the old man, and he's, he goes and he has a meal with him, which I've got to think he's got one of the most awkward dinner conversations that ever happens in the Bible. Because right in the middle of that meal, the old preacher that said, hey, come on over, it's going to be a good time of fellowship, you know, Baptist, you know, we're going to have fellowship and have some food, and have, you know, have some uh, potluck and dinner on the grounds and all that kind of stuff, and we're going to just have a good time. Maybe Miss Cindy, if he's Southern, they got fried chicken and biscuits and gravy. Yeah, brother, ooh, yeah. And they sit down, and they start enjoying that food. I mean, can you imagine the, who wants to say the blessing? Let's let our visiting preacher do it. Lord, thank you for this meal, and uh, please let me get out of this. In Jesus' name, amen. And they sit down, they start having the meal, and they're sharing food. And all of a sudden, that old preacher goes, pushes away from the table. You're going to die. I mean, can you imagine that? And the old, pre- old man gets up, you're going to die because you didn't obey the voice of God. I'd be like, yeah, but you told me. 
Like, where do you go from, from there after that conversation? Pass the peas? Like, what do you do from there? It's got, can you imagine how quiet it would have gotten? You don't, see, you don't think about that when you read your Bible. It's like, well, this happened and that happened. They're eating like, like people eating. They're getting to know each other. All of a sudden, the old man gets up and he goes, blah, 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 judgment of God. The young man's like, okay. All right, well, I'm not sure where we go from here. You know what happens? That, old, that young man leaves. And as he goes, a lion meets him in the way. Oh, there's so many lessons in this story. Can I say this? Be sober, be vigilant for your adversary. The devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And that lion takes the life of that young preacher. And I want you to see something about this. Look, if you would, at verse number 24. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way. And I want you to look at the next couple words. Now you may go, what does that matter? I don't know. You you answer this question for me. Why did God put it in the Bible? Why does it say that the ass stood by the carcass? Now you can make all kinds of assumptions. I'll tell you one thing about donkeys. They're very loyal. You know what that donkey thought? I couldn't stop the lion, but I know where to stand. You know those disciples, you know those brave disciples that are like, you know, no matter what, we're going to be with you. You know that, Jesus, right? We're going to be with you. I don't care what happens, you know, like, I'll be on your side. Anytime someone's like, preacher, I'm behind you 100%, no matter what, I'm always like, where's the knife at? You see, that's a terrible way to think. Have you read your Bible? Okay, like there's Judas raising the dead. Can you imagine everyone looking at Judas going, man, that's got to be the next guy. He's got to be the next guy. He's got connections with the city. He's got connections with politicians. He knows how to raise the dead. He's got the spiritual and the physical. He's got the, the, the eternal and the carnal. He's got all, and, and everyone looks at Judas like he's the guy. He's the traitor. And here, here's Peter. Lord, though everybody else denies you. John, he's a sissy. <laughs> Oh, the disciple whom Jesus loved? Yeah, I bet he likes to write poetry too. Yeah, that's John. Wow. Yeah. I bet Peter's like, I won't, I won't flake out on you. And there he is hanging on the cross. And at that point, let's be honest, he looks like the loser. I love Resurrection Sunday. I just like to f- fly in the face of the entire creation and go, my God is alive. Amen. But boy... That day on the cross, it sure didn't look that way. You know what it says in John 19? Check it out some other time. You know what it says? The woman, the women stood by the cross. You have Mary's there. You got Martha's there. You got women there. Where are all the men? All the the feminists are like, oh, yeah, you get them, preacher. (laughs) Set them straight. Them men are just bad. (laughs) Everyone ever met that hates men so much, they have a problem with loving them too much is the real issue. Loving the wrong, oh, now we're getting back, oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But you know what's interesting? It takes no great talent just to stand. You know what you can do as a Christian? Quit flip-flopping. Quit being the person that stands one way at church. I mean, okay, uh, anybody remember being a kid? Like, having to call in, like, if you're homeschooled, it stinks to call in sick. (laughs) Because you're like, <laughs> I don't feel good. And you're all like, get out of bed <laughs> and go feed the horses. And you got extra chores today. You want to keep talking about how sick you are? Get out there. And don't put shoes on while you're at it. You know, it's 40, 20 degrees, mom. Get out there. You know, that's homeschooling life. But remember when you were a kid and you'd be like, <laughs> and you do it so loud so your parents would like look in the room <laughs> so, you could, so you could get out of, of school. You know what I'm talking about? All right, listen, I, th- I think sometimes what happens, and, and then later on in the day, you're watching cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> you're not sick. You're totally fine, right? But you want to get out of, of your responsibility. I would say it like this. A lot of Christians, they stand one way at church, and their loyalty isn't really there. You know how I know? When pressure comes, you leave. When pressure comes, you're out of church, you're out of your Bible, you say, what is it? your problem's not with the preaching. Your problem's not with the people. It's not the church. You may think that for a moment. That's fleeting. That's temporary. The real issue is you're not loyal to Christ. Right. Where's your loyalty at today? If we drew a line in the sand right down here and just said, okay, 
Listen, don't, I mean, that happened at one point in time. You do know that, right? Uh, Moses says, all right, who's on the Lord's side? He draws a line in the sand. That's where we get that term from. And man, a bunch of those guys are like, we're going to be on Moses' side. I look kind of angry right now. And I think God's on his side. And you know what they find out? They find out, listen, I don't care if the majority's on that side. It's right to be on this side. I, I heard some young lady talk to a young man that was talking about uh, uh, maybe abortion. I forget what the issue was. You know what she said? I don't know why you come on this college campus. No one likes you. Everyone's against you. You should just die. These are all things she said. As if to say everyone liking you is going to make you something. Yeah. You, you should learn, Christian, sometimes just to take a stand. Yeah. How about this? How about tomorrow morning you call your boss and say, I think I'm going to make it to work. I think I'm going to make it. I'm not sure. I might, but I don't know. And I kind of feel like I should, but I don't know. And I, you can talk to your boss that way. That's how some of you talk to God. And you go, that's asinine. I never do that with my boss. You do it with God. And your problem is loyalty. You can say all kinds. You can go, oh, that stupid donkey. How come the donkey didn't fight the lion? Donkeys aren't meant to fight lions. Maybe he kicked a little bit. I don't know. Like, I... Maybe he did what he could, but at the end of the story, at least I know this much, you keep reading that lion's there and that donkey's there, and guess what? That donkey did not leave the sight of its owner until they draped that owner's body, that carcass that was left, and they draped it on that donkey's back. You go, oh, that's disgusting. That donkey at least said, at least I know that my master will be buried the right way, and I have the honor of taking him there. Look at Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Where do you stand, Christian? From over a hill and plain, there comes a single strain, just loyalty, loyalty, loyalty to Christ. Oh, hear ye brave the sound that moves the earth around, just loyalty, loyalty, loyalty to Christ. Can you just stand where God wants you to stand? Can you just be there? Well, I don't have anything to contribute. I can't fight. I can't control. No, you can't. Those women could not stop the Roman soldiers from beating the body of Jesus Christ, but at least they stood there. It said something about their loyalty and their love. Brother mentioned it earlier. Pressure does reveal a lot of things about us. I know you're in Luke 19, but can I just remind you about a man a long time ago? The Bible says that he stood, his name is Shammah, he stood in the midst of a piece of ground. And that ground is described as a hill of lentils, a, pe- a parcel of ground of lentils. You say, what is that? It's a hill of beans. You know what you say all the time? It's just a hill of beans. You know, it's not worth a hill of beans. Yeah, but it's a hill, it's a hill of beans that God told him to stand on. Over there, when David gets to the end of his life, you know what he does? He talks about these mighty men. You know what old people do? They talk about the old days. And all you that make fun of old people, you're someday going to be one of us. (laughs) Amen? Talk about the 80s. The 80s were awesome. (laughs) They were the best, man. They were so cool. They were radical and tubular, all right? (laughs) The 80s were great, man. No helmets? Right around. No one one was like, where's your helmet? What do you mean helmet? I don't need a helmet. You know? (laughs) Old people talk about the old days. So David gets to the end of his life. I, I, I can just see him writing about it. He's saying, oh, I just got to journal this. See, see, you might make fun of men that journal. You make fun of David, okay? You go ahead. Right. I dare you. <laughs> David kills a lion and a bear with his hands as a young man. He kills a giant with a slingshot, uh, slingshot, and he kills plenty of other men with a sword. I, you know, if a guy's like, I'm going to write my thoughts on, hey, bro, that's cool. (laughs) Right ahead. He he writes about these mighty men of valor. And he goes, oh, if you could have met them. One time I'm stuck behind enemy lines. I'm in a cave. And I just happened to say out loud, oh, man, I wish I could just have a cool drink of water from the well of Bethlehem. Uh, Probably 95 degrees, 90% humidity, just sweating to death, and the stink of men fighting in war and running for their lives and all kinds of issues there, and that breeze starts to just barely push, and David just goes, oh, man, I remember what it was like to drink from that well of Bethlehem. And a couple dudes hear him say that. You know what they do? 
they run through an army of Philistines. They go and scoop that water. Now, you gotta, you got to kind of picture in your mind. Here these guys are getting this water out. How do you run for your life while people are shooting at you, bow to arrow, arrows coming your way, you know, they're throwing stuff at you, trying to kill you, and you're running, holding all that water, and you get back to a cave, and he's like, where have you guys been? And they're like, well, you say you're water. <laughs> and David's like, you guys, you guys went to the well of Bethlehem? Yeah. You said you wanted it. And David just, I bet the little tear rolls down his face, all wrinkled up as an old man, and he's just like, those are good days. And he thought, I didn't even deserve those men. They were loyal. Christian, can you be loyal to Jesus Christ? Do you realize David never told them they had to do that? I asked uh, Brother Dobbins, missionary Zambia one time, I said, why'd you go to Africa? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> if you know Brother Dobbins, that's how he talks. And I said, no, really, why'd you go to Africa? And you know what he said? We got real serious. He goes, because no one else would. And I want my life to count for something for the Lord. You know what that is? Loyalty. Loyalty. He said this. <laughs> I said, how did you know you were called to go? <laughs> you know, Brother Dobbins. I didn't, man. I didn't know. <laughs> Just like that goofy Arkansas accent, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I said, how do, you, how do you mean you went to Africa and did all this stuff and you've been missionary there for decades? You well, I know now. I didn't know then. I said, then why'd you go? You know what he said? I could. You know those men that went and got that water for David? When David's like, why did you? We could. And we love you. You see, what is that? Loyalty. As you are in Luke chapter 19, you might remember, I think, in my mind, this is one of the most glorious passages that has a donkey mentioned in the entire Bible. And I'm not going to have you read both passages, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to quote to you from Matthew 21. You know what it mentions in Matthew 21? Don't, don't go there. You're in Luke 19. You're good. You're good. All right? But in Matthew 20, you know what it says? It talks about Jesus Christ, and there's two animals mentioned, an ass, a donkey, and the colt, the foal of an ass. You say, what's a colt? A colt is a young donkey that has not been ridden yet. Let me throw this your way. You know what would be a lot easier? To not bring two. Take the one that's experienced. Ride that one. If you had a choice, Joe, can you imagine Joe on a donkey? That would be cool. <laughs> if you had a choice, Joe, between an experienced, stable, ridden, and broken donkey versus this young two-year-old colt that's never been ridden, what would you do? First one. You know what the Lord did not have to do with any of us? He didn't have to give us a shot. You know what you were? You were unbroken. You had not been ridden by the right master. You were of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. You know what happens? Look at Luke chapter 19. Look at her in the passage. You know what the Lord does? He gives this animal a chance to have some glory. Look at Luke 19, verse 29. Luke chapter 19, verse 29. And it came to pass when he was nigh to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye to the village over against you, and the which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And so the, I heard an atheist one time go, See, there's a contradiction in the Bible. Over here it mentions one animal, over here it mentions two. It'd be like me talking about Ariana and something I told her, and then another place when I tell the story again, I tell you that I told Ariana and Isabella. It's not they contradict, they complement. Over in Matthew 21, it's two animals. In Luke 19, it focuses on the younger. Here's why. It's a picture of you. It's you being tied up. Read the passage. It's tied up, and it needs to be loosed. 
And you know what I thought could have happened in my mind? If those donkeys could talk to each other, that older donkey is looking at, at, at that young uh, colt, the, the foal, if you will, and it's like, oh, man, it's going to be bad. You've never done this before. I can tell you right now what humans do when they get on you and you don't behave. They beat you, and they do this. Why? Well, why would they do that, Mama? Why would they do that? Because you need to be broken, because that you will not serve any purpose until you're broken. And this is the conversation they have. And then Jesus gets on that young colt. And that colt goes, Mom, this isn't anything like what you said. He's not raising a stick on me. He's not beating me. He's whispering, peace be still, the whole time I'm on him. And he tells me it's going to be okay. I'm not scared, Mama. I'm okay. And there that young donkey walks through that town, and they're throwing down palm leaves. You know what that would have done to a young donkey that's not trained? It would have freaked out. Everyone's throwing clothes they throw the garments on the donkey. You know what that's a picture of? When I got saved, I was clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Yeah, but you're still a donkey. I'm his donkey. And, and that donkey starts hee-hawing through the neighborhood, you know, and, and what's it carrying? It's carrying a burden. And maybe initially when Jesus, a full-grown man at 33 years of age, gets on that young donkey, maybe that donkey kind of just goes like this. Why? From pressure that it's never felt before. But after a while, what it realizes, man, this yoke is easy and this burden is light. It's a whole lot lighter than the burden of sin. Man, they'd loose that donkey that was tied up. You say, why? Because you are burdened and tied down with the nature of this world and this life and your sin. And the Lord wants to give you a purpose. He wants you to have something. You go, man, this burden, this guy's on my back. That burden turns into glory in just a couple days. Chris, you know what I'm trying to tell you? If you're his donkey, you'll be known by who's riding you. Who's riding you today? Who's calling the shots? Where are you going? Is it the old man or the new man? Where do you stand? What is flowing out of here? Aren't you glad? Look at verse 35. Aren't you glad someone brought you to Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine that? They're pulling here, you know, bringing this little donkey along. And, and the, the disciples, like, who are the guys that got chosen to do that job? Like, oh. Imagine, imagine like, Lord, can I help you raise the dead? Uh, no, I got another job for you. Lord, can I, can I walk on water? No, that was Peter's. Lord, what do you want me to do? Anything you tell me. It's like someone, someone gets right with God and they want to serve God. Preacher, tell me whatever you want to do. Uh, I want you to go get a donkey for me. <laughs> uh, are you sure you don't want Peter to do that? And they go and they bring that donkey back. You know, it's a picture, it's a picture of a disciple coming and fetching you. And taking the ropes off and going, hey, come this way. I want you to meet someone. He's going to treat you like no one else has ever treated you. And at first, you're going to be like, man, what's this new weight on me? But boy, this is light. This is a whole lot better than being tied down with no purpose and no direction in life. And all of a sudden, that donkey is walking through the town of Jerusalem kind of like this. Never felt like this before. Man, normally when I walk around, my head's down. I'm kind of carrying a burden. I'm plowing a field. I'm doing something else. But man, today I feel like, I feel like I, I'm in a new body. I feel like a horse today. Why? Because who's on me? Who's riding you? Who are you letting jump on your back? Spiritually speaking, emotionally speaking, mentally speaking. Say why? That tells you whose donkey you are. You may go, man, this is the weirdest Sunday morning service I've ever experienced <laughs> in my life. And maybe it is. But let me say this in closing. If you're here without Jesus Christ, you've allowed a lot of things to get strapped onto you. And some of those things are strapped on you in a way that they don't just go away overnight. Some of those things are attached to your being, your soul. And the only thing that can wash it away the blood of Jesus Christ. I can't prove it, but over in Luke chapter 10 where it talks about the Good Samaritan, you guys remember that story? You know, it says, it says that the Samaritan takes that bloody and bruised and broken man and he puts him on his own beast. It doesn't say donkey. I can't prove it. But when I get to heaven, I want to look that person up and go, hey, was it a donkey? <laughs> Because I kind of feel like it probably was. You know what that donkey did? That donkey had an 
ugly, messy, broken, bloody, bruised, half-dead man thrown over its back. And it would have been like, man, this is not no way to, I don't want to be around this. This is gross. This is, I don't want this. And where am I going? I'm going to some inn. And I drop this guy off. But you don't realize that what today, listen to me, Christian, what today is your burden can tomorrow be your glory. I'm thankful someone brought me to an end. And I'm thankful that there were some hee-haws along the way that were okay with me riding them to get me there. Christian, whose donkey are you? Let's all stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. and Lord, I just pray that you take the message as unique of a thought as it might be, Lord. We, we belong to you. But Lord, the only thing that makes us, brings the value in our life is you are the owner and what you put on us and what you put in us. And Father, I pray we carry it the right way. And Lord, if this thing tarries for any amount longer, Lord, I, I pray we're, pray that we're in glory before we know it. Look forward to that day, but Lord, until then, would you help us to carry everything the right way? Lord, we may not look at ourselves and think that it's much, but Lord, we're yours. That's where the value's at. I pray that your people would leave today with a renewed sense of purpose. Help them. Some of them are carrying some real burdens right now. Hard burdens. Lord, I pray that they would be okay with maybe letting you take a ride. Heads bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Do people know who you belong to? They should. They should know. How will they know? What you speak about. Where you stand. What you walk around on your back with. (laughs) Y'all know. You see the difference between carrying... Jesus around and being tied up you go well it it looks like a burden well yeah here's the difference when you're tied up you're not going anywhere you got no purpose you got no direction Lord's on you and because of who's on you there's purpose in your journey Christians I'm going to tell some of you I know we've recently mentioned this. I'm going to say it again. Some of you are allowing your current identity to be based on what you've carried from the past. It's time to drop, drop that burden and let the Lord ride you for a little bit. Well, I, don't be, I don't be called a donkey. Man, if I get to be his donkey, I'm good with that. The longer I live, you know I realize... going to make a donkey out of yourself one way or another. You might as well do it for Jesus Christ. Are you with me? If you're visiting and maybe you're not familiar with the gospel, let me say it like this. It's really simple. The gospel is that Christ died for our sins and was buried and rose again. And he did that for you. And that one act where God steps into time and steps into human form. And that entire life of 33 years is culminated at the cross. When God makes that sacrifice on your behalf, because sin must be paid for, the wages of sin is death. When God does it, it's a perfect sacrifice that I cannot make because I am not holy, holy, holy Lord. I'm not him. 
he does that, he says, here's all I want from you. I did the heavy lifting. Here's all I expect. I will be glad to take your sins off your back, and I'll put them on mine. I can handle it. You can't. I'm glad to do that. I'm glad to give you a home in heaven. I'm glad to call you my own. I'm glad to give you a new sense of direction and purpose in life. All I expect from you is to admit that you're a sinner and acknowledge that I love you enough to die for you, to pay for your sins, that I was buried, but I didn't stay in the ground. Historical evidence points to a resurrected Jesus in and out of the Bible. If you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, with nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, I'll ask a simple question. If you're here and you know you're a child of God, you know your sins are washed away, you've been born again, you can just slip up your hand and go, yeah, preacher, that's me, I'm saved. I will never get tired of someone asking me that. I love it. Yep. (laughs) Just kind of riding through town. That's me. I'm his donkey. He's on me. (laughs) Let me just say this. If you couldn't say yes and you're not sure, can I encourage you not to leave today without getting that squared away? So what do I have to do? Do I have to join the church or give money? Nope, 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 nope. I would love the pleasure of just opening a Bible and showing you what God says about how you can be born again. If that's you and you've never been saved, can I, can I give you a little bit of opportunity to respond? If you've not been saved and you'd like to be, I will not point you, say your name or whatever. I don't want to embarrass you. But if you're willing to just look up this way and go, preacher, would you pray for me? I'd like to be saved. If that's you, I'd like to pray for you. I won't, I can't make you do this. This is not how that works. We're not, this is not religion. This is relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Preacher, it kind of sounded like from what you're saying, we're just donkeys either way. Yeah, in this life. In this life. But man, when I get up there, I'm not going to hee-haw ever again. (laughs) Everything I say is going to be right. Everything I think is going to be right. Everything I do is going to be right. It will all be the glory of God the Father through Jesus Christ. Can't wait for that day. You don't know what it's like to be saved. We'd love to tell you. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. All right. Hope the Lord spoke to you. And uh, he did for me, to me for a couple weeks about the subject. So thank you for letting me get it off my chest. Uh, I had to preach it because it's like I kept saying, now, Lord, I think they're going to think I'm an idiot. I'm crazy. And the Lord's like, so you don't want to be my donkey after all, huh? <laughs> you see, the Lord preaches the message to me before I ever preach it to you. I'm like, Lord, there's a lot of other messages in here. I'm sure I can download one from sermons.com or whatever, <laughs> you know. And the Lord's like, nope, that's the message. So uh, I hope it, it's a help to you. I hope it's a help. And Christian, if you're carrying some things around, there's some things that you don't need to carry that you need to drop at his feet. Okay? Yep. And then there are some things he puts on you that lets everyone know you're his. And it's not getting rid of the burden. Look, Jesus says in the garden, not my will, but thine be done. And he says, Lord, if there be any way to let this cup pass from me, remember that? You know what God does? God doesn't say, okay, done, no more cross. He sends an angel to strengthen him so he could do what? So he can get through it, not get out of it. And Christian, it, the right way to look at this is like, not just I'm getting out of it. It's I need to get through it, Lord, with your help. Let's pray you handle it that way this week. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Thank you for being here today. And uh, again, uh, appreciate Brother Casey Klein and his family being with us. Thank you so much for coming our way today, guys. Really do appreciate it. Long way. They drove several hours to, uh, yesterday. They'll be doing that again tonight. So pray for them as they go. If you have any questions for them, please see them before you leave. Make sure you get some of their prayer cards. Uh, Brother Casey, I think these are yours. I'm going to give them to you right now. And uh, if you want to just maybe, uh, Ryan, can you hand them to Brother Casey for me, if you don't mind? And just uh, as, as you're walking out, folks, make sure you grab a prayer card from Brother Casey. And uh, we'll be glad to pray for him and lift him up in prayers. And if the Lord allows us 
to support them uh, permanently, we'd love to do that as well. Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. Brother Ezekiel, glad you're here today, bro. If you could close us out in a word of prayer.